May 2018. Palestinians and Israelis mark 70 years of conflict in the Middle East. Israelis celebrating the opening of the US Embassy in Jerusalem. What a glorious day. Remember this moment. Palestinians running for their lives. Protesting against the Israeli blockade on Gaza, which has made their lives unbearable. In two months, more than 100 Palestinians were killed by Israeli snipers. Children, paramedics, journalists. These people were shot in the back, in the head and limbs with live ammunition. Israel blamed Hamas. The Hamas terrorist organization have sent their women and their children as a ploy to hide their true intentions. The Israelis, however, seem to see the Palestinians as a sideshow. And here's what we got. They're much more obsessed with getting the world to focus on the supposed threat from Iran. Iran lied. I'm Mehdi Hassan, and I've come here to the Oxford Union to go head-to-head -head with Danny Ayalon, who served as Israel's Deputy Foreign Minister, Ambassador to the United States, and advisor to Prime Ministers Sharon, Barak, and Netanyahu. I'll challenge him on whether Israel's shooting of Palestinian protesters is moral or legal, and I'll ask him not only about Iran's nuclear program, but Israel's own nuclear weapons. Tonight, I'll also be joined by Professor Avi Schleim, the renowned Israeli-British historian. Paul Charney, chairman of the UK Zionist Federation, and Diana Butu, the Palestinian lawyer and former advisor to the PLO. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Danny Ireland. Currently, he heads the truth about Israel, a Zionist advocacy organization. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you very much. Danny Ayalon, on May 14th of this year, the Israeli government celebrated uh, the 70th anniversary of your country's independence at the opening of the new US embassy in Jerusalem. I believe you were there as well at that event. While over in Gaza on that same day, Israeli army snipers uh, killed 62 Palestinians in cold blood, gunned them down in full view of the world's television cameras. How do you justify, can you justify, the killing of unarmed Palestinian protesters, journalists, paramedics, kids? Well, maybe no one can justify killing innocent people, but I'm not sure this was the case. Uh, the 14th of May, they were, you're right, 62 uh, persons were killed. They were pushed by their leaders of the Hamas, who, by the way, want to destroy the state of Israel. They were using them as human shields, as some of them were behind them, with bombs, incendiary, Molotov, and other things. By the way, the 62, Hamas itself confessed the second day that out of the 62, 50 were active Hamas members. All the rest, one, I mean, we call it in a, in a way which I don't like, collateral damage. But uh, we have to look at who is responsible for the death. And the responsible is only Hamas. Here's a question to you. 143 Palestinians at least, and the count keeps changing because Israelis keep killing more, have died since March the 30th, since the beginning of the so-called Great March of Return. Um, 15,000 Palestinians, let's just be clear, 15,000 have been wounded. 4,000 of them, according to the United Nations, were shot with live ammunition. Are you telling us, are you telling the Oxford Union audience here, the audience at home, that those 15,000 people were all members of Hamas? Seriously. 
maybe I can look at anyone here in their eyes and say, Israel is doing its level best not to kill anyone who is not involved. It's very important to know who is responsible here because... Is it not the, is it not the responsibility of the people pulling the trigger? That's normally no. how you hold people responsible well, for someone well, being killed. Well, how do you define pulling the trigger? Um, if you have the Hamas people... A man with a gun yeah. aims at a child from okay. 150 metres away and shoots him in the head. What about, what about Palestinian terrorists who are hiding behind innocent people okay. who are launching well, it's a rockets? Well, 15,000 wounded. How many of them were either members of Hamas slash terrorists? I do not know. I know that from the 62 on the 14th of May, 50 were Hamas by their own admission. No, on the we other don't know that because there hasn't uh, been an investigation. The facts are... You got their Hamas that, membership no, forms from no, their bodies? The, 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 What's facts the, facts? Are, the facts are that Hamas leadership, sometimes at gunpoint, are sending those poor Hamas, those, those poor Gazan people, to the borders. Now, Where's what the business do they have in the borders? The UN doesn't say that. Human rights groups don't say that. Well, look, Let's come back to the free. issue of the shootings here. Even if they were all members of Hamas... Even if all 15,000 people are, you do realize that under international law and basic morality, you can't shoot people for being members of a group, no matter what group it is. You can only shoot them when they pose an imminent threat to you. Were 15,000 people posing an imminent threat to Israeli snipers? Yes, they were. Yes, they were. <laughs> and okay. I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how. First of all, not to the Israeli snipers, but certainly to the Israeli kids and babies and women and men who live in their own territory. Hamas is sending their people. It's not just demonstration. Countless Medi. Palestinians at the Medi. protests have been interviewed just, and they said we weren't sent by Hamas. Just go into the but blogs. But they're all liars, are they? Just go into the blogs of Hamas, where they say the Jews are sons of pigs <clears throat> and sons of dogs. And you're now quoting them as a reliable have, source. That's my favourite. No. I've interviewed so many Israelis. You're the first to come no. here and say, my source is Hamas. Of the course first. it is. In of 10 years it, of doing this. Of course it is. Wow. Because all you have to do is to, to see what they say. Well, no, how about we look, I, at, I how just, about we look at some facts rather than your, I, your kind of I dodgy blogs? Quote Let's, let me ask you this. What threat did Razan al-Najjar, 21-year-old volunteer paramedic, uh, who was shot while wearing a white uniform in the chest 100 metres away from the fence, what threat did she pose to Israeli snipers? Wait a minute. This is something I really looked into. OK. She, I'm glad someone... Yes. Did. She was having an incendiary bomb, and there is an investigation by the IDF, so she was a threat. But I have another question for Where's you. Where's your... No, 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 no. Why, was she, why was she going into why? a... You know why a, she was going. Zone. Because no, you're killing her Maddie, people, and she's no, a paramedic. No. Can you tell me how many Israelis were killed by Palestinian protesters since March the 30th? You know, Simple again, question. I, I didn't check it, but you Zero. know... Zero. You're is the it, ones under no, threat. No, no, no. I want to ask, why is it that no Israeli was killed? Because the Israeli government, elected democratically, is defending them. Hamas people, not well, defending Palestinians the people. Don't get a right to no, no, no. They, they are sending them They're to die. To they are sending them to die. It's a culture of death. Really, you keep saying they were sent to their death, as yes. if Israelis have no agency. You were forced to pull the trigger. You just shot them because Hamas whispered in your ears to shoot no. them. You could choose not to kill people at a fence who are just damaging a fence, allegedly, as the UN, the EU, Med international lawyers have said. No other country shoots people in this way, Maddie, in the back as they're running away. Mehdi, I'm sorry if I show some impatience, but it's not a human rights situation. It's an area in conflict. It's an armed oh, conflict. So in war zones, there's no human rights. You can do whatever you want. Uh, well, there is, is, that what Israel's there, position is, is. there is laws Shoot people of in the back. Shoot nurses. Shoot kids. Listen, listen. Shoot journalists. I'll ask you. You have our border. 
you have thousands of people stampeding over to your borders with knives in their hands, with bombs, and you know that you have kindergartens, Journalists and eyewitnesses say there were not thousands of people with bombs. That is a false statement, Danny, and you know it. Out of these thousands, it's enough that one has a bomb. Okay, so you I'm know glad you've gone but from more, thousands to one. But more, no, I, I, no. We're getting somewhere. No, you're putting words in my mouth. I'm putting your own words in your own mouth. No, you said thousands not. went with knives. No. I'm saying no. that's not true. Do you stand by that no. statement? Do you I stand, stand by that you statement? Know what? I, stand, I, I said something else. I said, even if there was one, there were thousands, but even if there was one, I say you were wrong. Uh, you, say, you say this 21-year-old nurse, Razan Anjadar, had a bomb. No evidence of that I well, say not true. it is true. still under investigation. There's videos of her holding way. her hands up. Let me ask you this. Yasser Murtaja, journalist, 30 years old, shot in the stomach by an Israeli sniper. He was uh, 250 metres away from the fence. Why was he... Why was it, what knife did he had? What knife Maybe was he carrying? You can quote hundreds of names. If you look at them individually, I feel bad for them and for their families, even if they were I'm coming to harm us. Bad. I'm asking how do you justify I'm saying killing? Because, because, because they came with a, a, a harm intention. If they were Where's coming your to proof of that? Of Yasser al-Murtaja was not Hamas, was a journalist. You shot him in the stomach. Your country shot him in the stomach. He, and you claim he had a hurtful intention. That's an outrageous claim to make someone who was dead without any anyone, evidence. That's anyone, literally smearing no, no. the dead. Anyone who goes into a war zone knows exactly what he's doing. What is a they're, war zone? When they come and attack us, it's a war zone. He wasn't attacking you. If you pull a gun, you aim at someone, you shoot them. Remember, the Israeli Maddie. military bragged on Twitter, we know where every bullet landed. Mehdi, you go around the circle to the same point. And the point is that we have a border you don't, border. Border. you don't have when a border. You don't have a border, Danny. Danny, cross it, Danny not Gaza with flowers, is occupied territory. Not with candies, this nonsense that you have a border is absurd. Is, look, well, Gaza I'm, is occupied I'm sorry. territory. I'm sorry. The people there are living in an open-air no, prison no. camp, and you're I, saying I it's a border. Differ. I beg to differ. Gaza you is beg to not differ with the United Nations, the European Union, Gaza was International Criminal Court, to, no, every no, Western government. The International Committee for the Red Cross says Gaza is being treated with collective punishment. That's the view of the ICRC. Can I ask a question? Does Israel control Gaza's borders, airspace, and territorial waters? Yes or no? No. 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 Really? Israel, no. Wow. Because I'm just going to come here and say bareface falsehood. No, the things. So are fishermen not who yes go beyond no. six miles Listen. and get shot, they just imagine the bullets hitting them. Listen. The blockade is because the Didn't blockade ask is about because. The blockade, no. but I'm glad you brought that the up. Hamas the World Bank says you're strangling us. Palestinian territories with the blockade. Is killing and want to kill us, and they say we want to blot Israel off the map. We don't want any Jews there. And this is the main problem. Your former boss, Avidor Lieberman, Israel's current defense minister, oh, founder you, of your oh, party. You raise now a touchy issue. Okay. I would well, he's the to defense, refer he's, to me as my hold former on. boss. He is your former boss. He's also the current defense minister. I'm not in the party anymore. Okay. Independent. Please, let it be recorded. He said, he said, quote, there are no innocent people in the Gaza Strip to justify the killings. Do you support that statement? Listen, I'm not in the government. I do not support Lieberman. I do not support many things he says. I, I don't think that there are not innocent people in Gaza. There are but they are subject to the terror of Hamas. And they are sending them into the border. And when General Zvika Vogel, former head of Southern Command, said in April, if a child or anyone else gets close to the fence, his punishment is death. Do you I, support that death penalty for anyone who comes near a fence? I, I don't agree to that, except if he is holding a weapon. Mohammed Ibrahim Ayoub, 14 years old, was not holding any weapon. Israeli sniper shot him in the head. Did he deserve to die? No one deserves to die. So why did the Israeli sniper shoot him in kill, the head? Unless they aim to kill. He wasn't aiming to kill. So why was I'm he shot in the sure. head? I'm not sure. If you look at the if you look at the at the facts. What are the facts? The facts. I mean, you are, don't do. There's no transparent investigations. You don't allow any international investigators in, and then you say trust you that the nurse had a bomb and a 14-year-old guy was going to kill a sniper. I do trust 
the Israeli military. I do trust the Israeli Supreme Court, which is very much trusted by all the world. Israel is transparent. Israel, well, I'm sorry. That's not what human Listen, rights groups in Israel say, say. I may say things which may be inconvenient truth. They're also then. not true, but factually. I'm but I'm here to speak the truth. Let's go to our panel that we are talking to here in the Oxford Union. Diana Butu is a Palestinian citizen of Israel, is a uh, human rights lawyer, is a former advisor uh, to the PLO. Would you concede that Hamas does have some responsibility for the way in which it runs Gaza, for the way in which it incites attacks against Israel, for some of the deaths in, in, in the Gaza Strip? Absolutely Street. not. Every choice Israel has made, Israel's always had an opportunity to choose whether to kill these, these people who are, uh, who are protesting or not to kill them, and they have deliberately chosen to kill them. The idea that somehow we are all linked to Hamas, that somehow we, because people are linked to Hamas that they are not human beings is absolutely ridiculous. He knows very well that the only time that a soldier can shoot is if that soldier himself or herself is under imminent threat. There have been no Israeli soldiers killed or injured. It means that what Israel's doing is deliberately choosing to slaughter Palestinians. Before I bring back Danny to respond to that. Before I bring back, before I bring back Danny to respond to that. No way. No way. Paul Charney is here from the Zionist Federation of the UK, former, you served in the IDF. I did. When you see what's going on in Gaza, when you put yourself in those positions of those Israeli soldiers, do you, do you say, you know what, they shouldn't have pulled the trigger on those kids, they weren't posing an imminent threat, 14-year-old boy's not a threat to me, or do you say, actually, as Danny does, everyone could be a threat? So as an officer in the IDF, I held myself to the highest regard, and I hope that they held me to the highest regard. No one in the Israeli army has got, has ever had an order to kill civilians. That's never happened. I've never been around to see it. I've never heard it happen. On, on the other side of it, when Hamas tell Israel that we are here to breach that border and come and kill civilians, we take them in Israel very seriously. That's the one thing you can trust with Hamas. Breaching a border, breaching a border of any country is an act of war. Do not ask okay. Israel not to defend their civilians. Okay, let's put that point to, let's put that point to Avi Schlein. Avi Schleim, prominent British-Israeli historian, former professor here at Oxford University. Avi Schleim, any other country would do what Israel does. Israel has a right to defend itself, is what we hear. I served in the IDF um, in the mid-1960s, and I served loyally and proudly, because in my time, the IDF was true to its name. It was the Israel Defense Force. But after the June 1967 war, everything changed. Israel became a colonial power, and the IDF became the brutal police force of a brutal colonial power. But there is absolutely no self-defense justification for Israel's brutal policies in Gaza over the last 11 years. A whole series of war crimes were committed, and Israel continued to commit war crimes in Gaza in every successive vicious assault on that, the people of Gaza, not on Hamas. Isn't that, not the, isn't that the problem that Avi points at? That you keep saying, you know, Israel has a right to defend itself, Israeli families have a right to defend itself. But when you look at the numbers, over the last 10, 15 years just alone, the ratio is phenomenal. It's the Gazans who are being killed, not Israelis, in their thousands. Their 500 ratio. kids killed in one summer bombardment. The ratio speaks of the ruthless cruelty of the Hamas leaders. So you don't take responsibility for <coughs> any death of any Palestinian civilian because ultimately it's all Hamas's fault always? Yes, it is. That's a great get-out-of-jail-free card. Yes, okay. it is. 
Yes, it is. I'm not saying that there are no accidents which are deplorable, but the responsibility squarely lies with Hamas. Danny, I want to ask you this. Israel prides itself on being a democracy, you say. Right. Um, supposedly the only democracy in the Middle East. Yet in recent years, uh, even Israel's own human rights organizations are saying democracy there is under assault from a series of authoritarian, racist, far-right laws. Israel is a democracy, rule of law. You know, two our leaders were thrown into jail. And you know what? It was an Arab Israeli who threw the president of Israel into jail. When the Knesset, the Israeli parliament, passes the boycott law, which makes any Israeli organization that calls for a boycott against Israel uh, liable to be sued for damages, the Nakba law, which cuts state funding from any organization which marks the country's Independence Day as a day of mourning, the NGO law, which targets quote-unquote foreign-funded human rights organizations. One parliamentarian in Israel called it a semi-fascistic law that harms democracy and is reminiscent of Putin's Russia. That's the Israeli politician speaking. Of course. Because in Israel, you can say anything and you can... You know what? No one attacks the Israeli government more than Israelis and Israeli newspapers. Israel is a democracy. Anybody can come and go say and speaks what he wants. Reuven Rivlin, who's the president of Israel, not a liberal, conservative, anti-Palestinian yeah. state. He says Israel, Israeli society is sick. It is our duty to treat this disease. You don't agree with him either. I don't agree with that, but I respect what he says. Why are all these people says. saying it? They all go mad. Because they are, well, they are concerned. They are entitled to their so own So you're not views. concerned and, about and these no, friends? No, and they are... Listen... They speak subjectively. It doesn't mean that this is the objective situation. It's not that Israel is perfect. No country is. Let me, let me give you an example of something. Let me give you an example from your time in office. You were in government under Avador Lieberman. You were his deputy foreign minister. He was foreign minister. Yeah. Uh, he and you wanted to subject Israel's one and a half million citizens of Palestinian citizens to an oath of loyalty to Israel as a Jewish state, a proposal so controversial one minister at the time described it as borderline fascist. Do you know that every American, I don't know how it is here, pledge the law, uh, the loyalty of allegiance every day in school. Americans don't pledge allegiance to Christianity. They have a separation of we do church not and state. We do not either. No, the proposal was you had to support Israel as a Jewish state. Of course, but Judaism is not only a religion. Oh, it's Judaism a nationality. Not... That's even worse. It's not. So you'll be asking it's people a... to pledge no, allegiance no, no, to a religion and a race they're not part of. And you're Judaism, comparing that to the Judaism U.S. oath of allegiance. is a way of life, is a culture, is a whole civilization, if you will. So there is nothing wrong. So you supported that policy, which country. was eventually watered the down country, because it was so listen, controversial. The country that clothes you and protects you and give you jobs and give you money, including told the Arab Israelis. Okay, Diana Butu, you are a Palestinian citizen of Israel. Do you recognise the very rosy picture being painted by Danny Ireland? Absolutely not. Look, one thing that he's conveniently overlooking is that Israel is describes itself as being a Jewish state, which by its very definition excludes me. And the, the state is founded on this concept of Jewish privilege, which means that when the, when the Supreme Court, this court that he lauds so much, has faced the question of whether Israel's a Jewish state or a democracy, it has always chosen Jewish state, which means that Jewish privilege exists. And we see this through everything from the 60 laws that directly discriminate against Palestinian citizens of Israel to the way that people such as Ayalon and others uh, deal with Palestinians for everything from calling for our heads to be chopped off, for us to be drowned, uh, for oaths of loyalty. What they fail to recognize is that, that we didn't come to Israel. We didn't immigrate to Israel. Israel came to us. Avi Shoin, many would say you're on the left of the political spectrum. When you look at Israeli society today, do you worry about the trends? Do you share uh, President Rivlin's view that this is a quote-unquote sick society that needs some kind of treatment? I'm very troubled about the trend in Israeli society. Israel, within its original borders, 
is a democracy. It's a flawed democracy, but so are all other democracies. But if you look at Israel and the West Bank and Gaza, Israel most emphatically, most decisively, is not a democracy. It's an ethnocracy. It's a system in which one ethnic group dominates uh, the others. And there is another word for ethnocracy, and that is apartheid. And this is what Israel is. Paul Charney, I will come back to you. Uh, is... I'm going to ask you two questions. One is, the same question I asked Avi, are you worried about the trends in Israel? Does that worry you at all? And secondly, do you want to respond to Avi's claim about Israel being an ethnocracy and an apartheid state? Every democracy around the world has its own unique features. The Israeli democracy and the Israeli nation was built and established because of what happened, in, partially because of what happened in the Holocaust, and therefore a Jewish majority must remain for safety and for security because we've seen what happens when you rely on the rest of the world for your safety. Number two, anyone else who lives as an Israeli has absolute equal rights. Every Israeli Arab has the same rights of university, of hospitals, of, of Supreme Court in law. Diana's shaking her head. She's saying no. The, the Knesset has time and again been asked the simple question, is Israel a state that's founded on equality or is there no equality? And time and again, it will not allow a simple law that calls for equality. And the fundamental problem is that they do not recognize my right to exist. There Listen, you go. have you ever been arrested by Israeli police? Have you ever been beaten by Israeli police? Have you yes, been ever... actually, oh, I well, have. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Tell me about it. Probably, uh, oh, I, I still... Probably yeah. I, I, not I, the best I, question I, to ask the Palestinians. Yes, yes, yes. I, I really feel... You, you can check the bruises. She's all bruised up, right? Let's just be clear. First, you're saying that if you haven't been beaten by the Israeli police, you're an equal member of society. And then when someone says they have been beaten by Israeli police, you say, where are the bruises? No, no, listen. I'm just I'm asking to clarify. She went to school. Was she denied education? Was she denied social... Uh, so that's schooling? your definition. Denied, what is your definition? Hold on. In, in, she is Israeli, on, just people, like me. Black Americans during the Jim Crow era could go to school. It doesn't mean that there wasn't massive segregation and discrimination against this black is Americans. But there's no... It's a weird, Israelis, weird criteria. No, but Jews and Arabs can go to school do together support, and they do do go to school there together. Are, there were protests on TV just a few weeks ago. Israelis were saying they didn't want to sell a house in their town to a Palestinian fine. family. And that's how many Arabs? And how many Arabs? That's fine. Did you say that's fine? Listen. Did you say that's fine to Israeli people protesting against the sale of a house no, in their town? Are you okay with that? They can protest, which is good. Are you saying it's good? Your words for people to protest against the sale of a house to a Palestinian family to keep the town Jewish only? Because that's what I just said happened, and you said fine, and then you said good. Are you okay with that? Listen. You have people here and there who I do not believe that they are right. But so you would condemn those protests. So would you condemn those protests? Because a moment ago you said it's good that they're protesting. Because it's a democratic society. But it's a you can protest. protest. You don't have to be okay with the protests. You can protest whatever you want. But it's you called, condemn those called, protests. It's called freedom of expression. And, and, and I'm asking you to give us some free speech. Do you condemn those protests? I condemn anything which is biased against race, religion, again. gender. Do you condemn those protests, Danny? Do you condemn such or what they represent? Whatever you like, Daddy. Just do something. Say, give me an answer. I condemn any racism. Okay. okay. General statement. You won't no, condemn those no, protests, no. though. I would condemn them. Oh wow. Okay, we got that. Another one. Since you're in a mood of condemnation, Benjamin Netanyahu. You say you don't speak for the government. In Not 2015, he said during the election campaign, the right-wing government is in danger. Arab voters are coming out in droves to the polls. 
Surely that was an example of unashamed, naked racism towards a fifth of the population from the Prime Minister of the country. I would not use this. I would not do that. But you have to understand something else. In democracy, right, in democracy, you do everything you can do in order to win the elections. That's not what I asked. And I mean, racist no, parties do racist to things to win elections. No. I'm asking you, do you agree it's racist? It's wrong, but not racist. We're going to take a break. It's going to continue in part two. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Iran deal and Israel's position on Iran and nuclear weapons. We'll be hearing from our very patient audience here in the Oxford Union. Do join us after the break. Head to head on Al Jazeera English. I'm joined uh, this week by Danny Ayalon, former Israeli Deputy Foreign Minister, founder of the group The Truth About Israel. Uh, Danny, you have lobbied extensively against the 2015 Iran nuclear deal, the JCPOA. Uh, you think it's a bad deal, and like Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, you welcomed President Trump's decision to pull the United States out of that deal to violate it. So, to be clear, you don't agree that the deal, with all its faults, is working and is putting off the realization of the Iranian nuclear vision by 10 to 15 years? No, if you look for the last two and a half years since the deal was signed in Vienna, you see the aggression of Iran not only has, has multiplied by two, by 10 times. Iran, since signing the deal, has become much more aggressive, uh, has not stopped uh, testing uh, ballistic missiles, and you do ballistic missiles only to put uh, a warhead, which is nuclear, nothing else. And the deal itself is not actually neutralizing the capabilities of Iran. It just supposedly suspends it and... So people who, and, say, but, but, so people who say the Iran deal has neutralized a major threat to the world, they're wrong. Absolutely. It's maybe, That's maybe, the former head of Shin Bet, Israeli intelligence, Kami Gillen. You're right. Maybe, maybe they and, were and just... And the quote I said earlier about, with all its faults, it's working, it's putting off realization of the Iranian nuclear vision. Do you know who maybe, said that? Probably. The head of Israel's military, General Gadi Eisenkot. So what do you know that the head of Israel's military and the former head of its spy service don't know? And guess what? The head of Israeli military. He's still there working with everybody because we have pluralism of <laughs> ideas. Okay? okay, but the substance, now, the substance What about what he okay, said? The substance is that there is a sunset clause where they can now in seven and a half years become a nuclear country. The substance is that there is no verification which is robust and many sites are precluded because the of, they are declared military The head sites. of the IAEA, the UN body tasked with investigating nuclear programs around the world, says, quote, Iran is subject to the world's most robust nuclear verification regime under the JCPA, which is a significant gain. As of today, the IAEA can confirm that the nuclear-related commitments are being implemented by Iran. That was him in May. So who should we trust, the head of the IAEA or you? Trust the facts. Trust the facts and straight logic, common logic. I believe that the IAEA are not lying. They do not find anything. But why aren't they finding anything? Because they have 24 days in advance to let them know they're coming. And there are many, many areas which are designed military areas where they have no entry to. Now, we know that the Iran has lied and has cheated time and again. As a we member, that, wait a minute, as a, as, as a signatory to NPT, Non-Proliferation Treaty, they have broken all the rules, all international commitments. What I don't understand is yeah. if it's common sense, yeah. as you say, 
Why is it that the head of Israel's military, the former head of Shin Bet, the former head of Mossad, your spy agency, the former head of Israeli military intelligence, the former head of Israel's Atomic Energy Commission, the chair of Israel's space agencies, your country's top military, defense, intelligence, nuclear experts are saying the deal's a good deal. It protects Israel, it protects the region, it protects the world. Well, Why should we ignore all of them and trust you, Benjamin Netanyahu, and Donald Trump? They do not say it's a good deal. He said it's the, be the situation may be better than before. And I say it's not better than before. It may put Iran on hold, but we are not certain. And yet the world's non-proliferation experts in open letters, the top nuclear scientists in the world, the EU, the UN, the IEA, they all say it's working. I know international diplomacy. There's nothing which is more hypocritical than cynic. There are some interests who are in, be in between. I can tell you that until 38, most people here said Germany, Nazi Germany, is not a threat. Okay. Were they all wrong? Yes, they were all wrong. Well, isn't the problem? Are they all Wait, wrong it's, now? It's funny. Yes, they are. It's funny, you talk about predictions. In 1992, your prime minister said Iran was three years away from building the nukes. That was 26 years ago. In 1995, he said Iran was three to five years away from building nukes. In 2009, he said they were one to two years away from building nukes. The boy who cried wolf had a better record with wolves no, than Netanyahu has with Iran's nuclear program. Why do you think you have any credibility, the Israelis, when you come and talk about Iran's nuclear because program? You've been wrong for 26 years. We were not wrong. Some things had happened in between. There were some who prevented Iran to rush for it. And there were some... Come on, there were some Every two to three years, Netanyahu issued a warning and suddenly something happened to make his warning well, just inaccurate. Well, I can tell you, I can tell you... You've been that you know, The Iranians themselves say that the international community is sabotaging their program. So okay. things have happened. Okay. That's it. Okay, let me ask you this question, sabotaging their program. How many nuclear weapons does Iran have as of today? Right now, I hope none. Okay, how many does Israel have? No idea. No idea? You were in the government. They don't tell you that stuff. No idea. Who do they tell? No idea. I'm telling you, I uh, never discussed it. But it's, it's irrelevant. It's between... You never discussed Israel's nuclear weapons. You can say that hand on heart. You've never discussed Israel's nuclear... You're expecting us to believe that the Deputy Foreign Minister of Israel never discussed Israel's nuclear deterrent. Seriously, then? No. So let, tell, let me tell you. No. It's not all slogans and sound bites, Mehdi. Tell yourself I did friend. not discuss Israel's nuclear weapons. I did discuss Israel nuclear policy. There is a big difference. Okay. 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 So now we've got past that semantic evasion. No, no, you have to. <laughs> you How have many to... nuclear weapons does Israel have? Because experts say it's anywhere between 80 and 400. So what? So, so what? what? Yeah, so what? So, Has Israel ever so threatened? Do you recognize the hypocrisy of Israel no. having a secret illicit nuclear weapons program that it won't open up its doors to and won't talk about and then lecturing everyone else in the region Absolutely about nuclear weapons? Absolutely not. You know why? Absolutely. <laughs> You talk about hypocrisy. I tell you. So let's start with the legal and formal. Yeah. Israel has never been a member, a signatory of the NPT, so we are not breaking any rules. Oh. Iran was, Iraq was, Syria is, and they all try to, to cheat. Ah, we one. never recognize the laws secondly, in the first place. No, okay, secondly, Israel is the only country in the world who has been, right, threatened to just erase them. There is only one Jewish state in the world. Less than one-third of one percent of the entire Middle East. There are 22 Arab countries, 57. What do you want from us? And they're all trying to, to gang up on us. It's not like you're just minding your own business, this kind of Norway in the Middle East with nuclear weapons. Has Israel ever threatened to erase and attack any country? 
Uh, I no. think you'll find plenty no. of pretty no. genocidal statements from Israeli show it, leaders. Show it to me. Shimon Iran, Peres said in response to Mahmoud Ahmadinejad that we could wipe Iran Iran has every day threatening to erase I'm not Israel. About Iran. I'm asking about Israel's Saddam Hussein said he would burn the entire country of Israel. Okay. Assad, Hamas. Okay. You know what? Even members How? of Israeli Knesset, very, very Arab countries. Danny, yeah. I'll ask again. We've gone off on a lovely diversion, which you're the master of. How many nuclear weapons does Israel have? I don't know. By the way, another diversion, which I have to say. No, no. I have to you say. can't pre-announce your diversions. <laughs> uh, let me ask again. If an Iranian guest came on my show and I asked him about Iran's nuclear weapons, he said, I'm, I don't know, I'm not going to talk about it. Would you be okay with that? You'd be outraged. Of course And yet you be. sit here as a former of minister of the Israeli government saying, oh, I don't know, I never talked be. about nukes because, because there's Because there was like 16 United Nations Security uh, 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 Council resolutions against Iran. Iran and there is against Israel. And there is against Israel as well. About, about, about the your nuclear, nuclear program? No. Yes, there is. UN so Resolution 487. Let me read it to you. The UN Security Council in 1981 says, calls upon Israel urgently to place its nuclear facilities under the safeguards of the IAEA. Why haven't you done that? Because... <laughs> I'll tell you all why. Because we want to live and survive. This is the only reason. Okay. Live and survive. But you are defying a UN Security it. Council resolution on your secret Leave nuclear weapons program. Live and survive. That's it. Okay. Uh, Avi Schleim, when Danny talks about the threat from Iran, do you recognize that language? How big a threat, in your view, is Iran to Israel today? Uh, Iran is not an existential threat to Israel, but it is a strategic threat. Now, let's compare the records of these two countries. Iran has never attacked a neighbor. Israel has repeatedly attacked its neighbors. Iran signed the non-proliferation treaty. Israel has refused to sign. Iran submits to inspection by the, by the International Nuclear Energy Agency. Israel refuses to submit. Iran has no nuclear weapons. Israel has between 75 and 400 nuclear weapons. So Israel poses an existential threat to Iran. Now, okay. No, no. okay, briefly, and then I have one more point to make. For the last 40 years, Israel has conducted a systematic campaign of disinformation about Iran. Why the lies? Why the double standards? Why the hypocrisy? Professor Schleim, can you say this in a straight face? I cannot believe it. If you look in the details, Israel, right, has been in existential threat ever since, ever since its re-establishment, and it was re-established in 1948. And as an historian, as an historian, I'm sure you will agree. Israel, only out of self-defense, is defending itself. And Israel has never, ever threatened another country. Israel has attacked its neighbors, uh, not in self-defense. One example, the first one, uh, is the, the Suez War of 1956. It wasn't a war of self-defense. It was a colonial conspiracy to attack Egypt. Uh, Lebanon, 1982, was most emphatically not a war of self-defense. It was an invasion, Israeli invasion okay. of Lebanon. Paul, let me ask you this question. Yes. You're not a member of the Israeli government. No. You've never been a member of the Israeli no. government. Can I ask you for a straight answer? How many nuclear weapons does Israel have? I don't know. Are you asking me an answer? How many do you think? How many do you think? From what you... you know what? I, I tell you what. I, I'm listening to the conversation with all due respect 
we cannot rely, Israel cannot rely on Europe and the Western world to defend its own policies. Israel had huge disagreements in its own government whether to take out the Iraqi nuclear corps in 1982, and it took it out, and it was condemned at the time. And Israel had the same dispute late 1998 when it took out the Syrian nuclear corps, and it was condemned by Europe. And guess what? Later, the condemnation fizzled away. Okay. We are in the same positions we were then as we are with Iran. Do you think Israel should have I, nuclear I, weapons? I, I, Do you support Israel? Every weapons? weapon, it can possibly defensive weapon, like the Iron Dome, Israel should have 100 Iron Domes, I didn't which ask it has about the Iron Dome. Israel okay. should have every defensive Great. weapon. Do you think Israel should have nuclear as weapons? A, absolutely. As a Do you think Israel should have nuclear weapons? As a defensive weapon, Israel should absolutely have nuclear weapons. Iran, okay. as, a, as an offensive weapon, should not have nuclear weapons. It's, OK, let's go to... Diana's been waiting very patiently. There's a difference between offensive Iran and defensive Israel when it comes to nuclear weapons in the Middle East. Look, what, what I think we're getting to is that Israel is saying that it is above the law. And it does this time and again. It says that it has a right to attack countries, which it did when it came to Iraq, when it's come to Syria, when it's come to Lebanon, when it's come to the Palestinians. And it's also saying that it has no uh, reason, it has no right to be subjected to the law. Diana says you're above the law. And you yourself said we didn't sign the NPT. Let me ask you this question. If Iran tomorrow withdraws from the NPT, will you stop talking about Iran? Because they're in your boat. They can do what you do. Exactly. Right? No. Isn't that because, the logic no. of your position? Because they want nuclear capabilities for offensive measures. If Israel... And again, I'm not at liberty to, to, to say anything but about this subject. But if Israel has it or not, it is a defensive one. Because you say it's defensive. They would say no, it's defensive. No, no. Everyone and will get nuclear weapons by the way, it's for defense. By the way, I hope, I hope Ms. Bhutto is not suicidal. Because if Iran, with a nuclear weapon, throwing it on Israel, you and I will die at the same time. You know? okay. okay, well, let's go to the audience who've been waiting very patiently here in the Oxford Union. Uh, let's start with the gentleman here in the front row. I'd like to ask you, uh, Mr. Ayalon, about um, Israel's denying access to healthcare for people in Gaza. Last year, um, according to the World Health Organization, 54 people died in Gaza um, because they had not got to the treatment they needed to in the West Bank and, and sometimes beyond. 46 of those had cancer. Many of them were women. Okay. Um, 11,000 medical appointments were missed last year after Israel refused to allow people um, to get to that treatment. Is that not unconscionable? Uh. If, had, if that had been true, absolutely inconceivable. But it's completely not true. Israel is, is actually piping into the, to the Gaza everything which could help the Shifa and all the other hospitals and clinics, by the way, which the Hamas is using them as a base to launch. You know that since we left, since we left Gaza, 11,800 bombs were launched okay. on Israel. He I asked a question about 44 cancer patients, World Health Organization figures. That's all made up, according to you. I, you know what? I don't even know, because I, you know, I, but I can tell you, there is a policy, right? There is a policy to help anyone in need, and we have proven it. Why don't you go to Hamas and ask them, why don't they stop their terror, and then Gaza will be open to the world? When we left in 2005, we invested there, you know, uh, millions of dollars. Okay. They burned everything. Why? Why? Okay, let's go to this gentleman here in the blue shirt. Thank you. Um, the Great March of Return protests were ostensibly organised in support of the notion of uh, a right of return. My, my question is, is, to what extent does the propagation of a notion of Palestinian right of return by the international community serve to perpetuate and prolong rather than create a solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? Right of return, maybe, is euphemism. There is no right and no return, because you're talking now about fifth and fourth generation of displaced people 
and according to international law, they should have been naturalized by the countries who received them. There were 20 million refugees in Europe, Czechs, German, Polish. You don't hear about this problem. There were 890,000 Jewish refugees from Arab countries. You don't hear about them. The problem is, again, and I do not blame Ms. Butu, the Palestinian people. I feel for them. It's successive Palestinian leadership. Okay, who so let me... You. Since, you, since you mentioned, since you mentioned Ms. Budu, Diana, no right, no return under law, international law. Is that correct from well, your point of view? First of all, there is a right of return. But using his same logic again, then we wouldn't be talking about, as he put it, the re-establishment of a Jewish state. If we're talking about the re-establishment of a Jewish state, then it would have been that Jews also didn't have that right as well. So you can't have it that one group of people has a right and okay. Palestinians have Let's no right. We no. absolutely have a right of return and that is enshrined okay. in international no. law. I need to go, I need, okay. This is our land and okay. we re-establish This is your land based on 2,000 years. She's saying why can't four or five generations if you can go back 20 generations. Let's go to this lady here in the front row. Um, I'm a Palestinian journalist from Gaza and um, Israel has time and again uh, said and the Israeli army actually claimed to be measured and uh, surgical in the way that they engage with the Palestinian protesters and whoever is present near the Gaza fence. Um, and then now I hear, and it's very concerning to me, that the killing of my friend actually and colleague uh, Yasser Murtaja in Gaza was because he was there with an intent to harm. The Israeli army has always cleared itself of any wrongdoing. Isn't it time for an in independent investigation? What is Israel afraid of? How is it surgical to kill journalists in press vests and paramedics in white coats and children and peaceful protesters and okay. then not have independent investigators or allow them to investigate? Right. Well, Israel has nothing to be afraid of. Israel has nothing to hide, and by the way, I really uh, appreciate the fact that you came from Gaza out here, which is fine, here. which I've is been very here for nice. A of years. I, I'm, I'm, I would wish more Gazans would be able to come out. So but why not again, lift your blockade? You need a, you need a different. You could no. lift the blockade tomorrow. No, no, come no, on, no. You're patronizing people no, no. here. You, come need, on. you need a different leadership in Gaza. That's what you need. With, with a different leadership in Gaza, more of you could come out. Is it time for an ind independent investigation if you've got nothing to hide? No, because no country, no democratic country, is willing to infringe upon its sovereignty. Show me when England, the United States, France, or any other uh, country, democratic country, allowed an independent... Okay. None of those countries are no currently way. illegally no occupying no, other people's land, it. by the way, just for the factual <laughs> record. Let's go back to the back there on the window. Yes, you waving. Can we get a mic there? Hi. How do you uh, justify or do you support Palestinians being forcibly removed from their homes and thrown out to make way for Israeli settlers? Fair question. I do not approve Palestinians being forced out of their homes as I do not approve Jews being forced out of their homes. And the Israeli government did both. I can tell you that. Uh, but again, there is a rule of law. And sometimes if you build things Ill illegally, the government comes and tells you, well, it's illegal. They do it to Jews and they do it to Arabs, full stop. They don't demolish 
dozens of houses in one go as collective punishment for any Jewish Israelis, and you know that. Well, they, they were just saying it, stuff that's false. They would do it had they built it illegally, and they have done it. Okay, but they also destroy houses. The families of quote-unquote terrorists are destroyed by Israel. And yet when an Israeli terrorist kills a Palestinian, his, house, his family's home is never destroyed. It's Funny matter, that, but it's, it's not apartheid. No, it's a matter of deterrence. Okay. Uh, Jews do not uh, Jews don't go need deterrence. deterrence. No, only, only do not go as terrorists. You know, you have one... <laughs> wow, there's no, did you say there's no Israeli terrorists? There's no Jewish terrorists? There are, but not as a culture. Oh, not the Palestinians are the culture. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, I, I, absolutely. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to. I'm just going to. Diana Buti, I'm going to ask yes. you to respond. No, no, no. To that wait a minute. I, I want to say you're from a culture well, of terror, apparently. This is the problem. No, no. You know, we're dealing no, no. with uh, with people and a look representative, the, a former no, representative of a government that uses racist language I'm sorry. Look and that has adopted racist language and will continue authority. to use look at racist language. I can't believe that we are in any way giving you a do you want to respond and clarify what you meant by a culture of terror? Of course I want to respond, because if you send your kids to schools where they are taught to kill Jews, when you have uh, summer schools with Palestinian kids go with straps, you know, like make-believe uh, suicide bombs, this is a culture of terror. And had you been looking okay. into this, All right. yes. And when you, and when you, oh, hold on, hold on, just, just, I've got, just got to make the point, because you love, you love always saying, what about this, what about that? Let me do it for once. Because, what about Israelis sitting with popcorn on top of their houses, watching Gaza being bombarded? Is that not a culture of, uh, of hate, of death? No. Okay. Lady, lady here was waiting. Currently, according to Israeli human rights group Beit Salem, approximately 315 Palestinian children are being held in Israeli prisons. While being arrested and held in detention, these children have no access to lawyers, cannot have a family member present while being questioned, and often are coerced into signing documents in Hebrew, a language that they do not understand. How do you justify continuing the imprisonment of children? Everyone. First of all, I do not agree. People who are over 16 are not children. And when they become with daggers and bombs, they are not innocent. There are children under 16 being detained you, by Israel, and, and you know that, Daniel. You know what? When the IRA was attacking you yeah. in London, they were under 14 okay. age so, in, so your in, in British is, prisons. And you expect me to sit here and defend the British government's treatment of Irish communities? Know. Maybe you've no, never read I'm anything I've No, I'm just saying. A killer um, is well, a killer is a killer. Two wrongs don't make a right, but okay. A Let's killer go. is a killer. Uh, a killer is a killer. She literally talked about children in jail, and your response was a killer is a killer. None of those children are killers, but okay. Um, let's go back to the audience. Uh, the lady here in the black shirt. Yes, wait for the microphone to come to you. I'm very confused about something, and I'd like some clarity. If Israel is an apartheid state, how come there, there are Christians, which I really appreciate being a Christian, serving in the IDF, and Bedouin, and also Druze? I'm not talking about Jews, I'm talking about the Druze. Okay. How does that work? The two people who made the claim about apartheid are Diana and Avi Schleim. Would one of you like to respond to the lady's question about how can it be apartheid if there are Christians and Arabs and Bedouins serving in the IDF? The question is whether the system is apartheid, and it is an apartheid state. And the fact that we are sitting here, and while we're sitting here, Danny has greater privileges in that country than I do, makes it apartheid state. Uh, okay, we're going to go back to the audience. We're going to go back to the audience. Gentleman there with the jacket, yes. The question is very simple. Do you think the days where everything Israel does and everything it says by both the Muslim community and many other people are coming to an end, where in fact there's going to be greater support for Israel as we're seeing even now in the United Nations? Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I, I would say that certainly we see shifting grounds. I would say most of the Arab countries today, certainly all the great Muslim countries, see Israel as the solution to the problems and not the problem. They see the Palestinians as the problem. Gen gentleman in the beard, he's been waiting for ages. Last word. Thank you, Mehdi. 
My question to Danny is, isn't it true that the two-state solution is dead because of Israeli illegal settlements in the West Bank and its apartheid walls? Because Israel always blames the other side and doesn't take any responsibility. So should we just forget about the two-state solution and think about an alternative or one-state solution? Thank you. I, for one, do not think so. I do not think so. I think... You think there can still be I a two-state solution? I think... I hope so. I think what killed the two-state solutions is, again, is the Arab refusals for any compromise. For them, it's all or nothing. And secondly, when the roadmap to peace came, I was one who was privileged to, to be a part of uh, writing it. It talked about two states for two peoples. I do not see the Palestinians who talk about two peoples. They're talking about two states. What does it mean? Two Arab states? The problem is, again, I'm telling you. Hold on. Success. You want two states for two peoples. Who are the two peoples? Jewish people. And Palestinians. So there shouldn't be any Palestinians in Israel. Is of what course you're not. No, of course they you are. Literally just said two no, states no, for two people. Of I course. Ask you to but the Jewish Israel. Who is, is Israel Jewish, for, Danny? Israel is for its citizens, mostly our Jews, because it's a Jewish state. You're the one who said you wanted two states for two people. That was just clarifying. Of, Let me ask you. of course, Palestinians and Israelis. Palestinians. Oh, before you said Jews. Jews, now you switched Jews? to Israelis. No, Good. no, no, Good Jews. Move. And doesn't mean that non-Jews cannot live there. Can I ask a final question? I just want to ask a question about you. Ehud Barak famously was asked, what would he have done if he had been born a Palestinian? And he said to the reporter, I probably would have joined a Palestinian militant group to fight against Israel for my freedom. Right? That's what Barak said. A moment of honesty from Israel's most decorated soldier. I just wonder sometimes, do enough Israelis put themselves in the shoes of Palestinians living in Gaza and try and understand why it is that they're protesting or they're frustrated or they're violent? Or is it all just, do you really just say Hamas, 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 Hamas and not try and think about what they're going the through? The short answer is yes. I can definitely do that. And you know what I would do? I would do my best to get rid of Hamas leaders and terrorists. Okay. On that, on that Hamas note, Danny, we're going to have to leave it there. Wrap the show up. Thanks to our audience here in the Oxford Union. Thanks to our panel uh, here in the Oxford Union. And thanks to Danny Ireland for joining us. Head to Head will be back next week.